tonight, Proverbs chapter number 10, and we are on verse number 11, verses 1 through 10, last Wednesday night, we're going to shoot for 11 through 20 tonight, all right? And that's all I brought to the pulpit, I didn't bring anything beyond that, so uh, we won't go further than 20, I know that for sure, but we'll uh, dive into, I like this section, this is my favorite section of the book of Proverbs, uh, verses chapter 1 through 9 uh, is primarily advice, uh, fatherly advice. I love some great stuff in there. But I like taking these little proverbs and picking them apart and digging digging in them and, and, uh, and uh, thinking about them, mulling them over in your mind and, uh, and just squeezing everything out of them that you can. And every one of them is so rich, so rich. And as I mentioned last week, most of these stand, basically they stand alone for the most part uh, for the next uh, about 15 chapters or so. And, uh, and, uh, usually the primary thoughts in the beginning of the verse and, and the second part elaborates on it or c- contrasts it. Um, and so, but anyway, this is a lot of fun. And, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, can, I, I don't have them all figured out. I got one of them tonight. I got two different thoughts for you. So you can pick which one you like best. I told you I was going to do my best to encapsulate each one of them in one thought. And in one verse, I just, I came with two, so anyway, uh, pick your favorite. But we're in verse number uh, 11 tonight, and uh, I'll pray, and we'll jump right back into the study of God's Word. Lord, thank you for your precious, eternal Word, without error, settled eternally in the heavens, perfectly transmitted from heaven to earth through holy men of old who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost perfectly transmitted from parchments to this Bible I have on this pulpit tonight. Thank you. Not only for for an eternal book, but a book that you made available, as you promised, for this generation, for us tonight. And Lord, we believe and know you've kept your word, and we take your word as our final authority. Teach us and grow us. Only by your spirit can we learn the divine teacher Guide us tonight into truth and and be our teacher tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number 11. The Bible says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. Now, this is not the only place that God talks about... uh, a well, wisdom is down in the well, and the wise man knows how to go down deep and get it out. And uh, wisdom is deep waters, the Bible said. And here it says it this way, the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Here's a, here's a phrase for you to encapsulate this verse. We are known by what comes out of our mouths. Isn't that true? We are known by what comes out of our mouths. John 6, Jesus said this in verse 63, The words which I speak are spirit, and they are life. The words that I speak are spirit and life. The word spirit is translated also wind in the New Testament. That verse in verse 63 of John 6 is translated wind, and then is translated 11 times life, wind. Did you ever get the wind knocked out of you? You ever say to somebody, he's just blowing a bunch of hot air, right? Uh, this is the word picture that God is giving us. And, uh, and so, so wind here would equal the breath of life, if you will. And so what comes out of your mouth 
uh, it, it uh, okay, the Bible said this, um, they said it's about Peter, thy speech bereath thee, B-E-W-R-A-Y-T-E-T-H, bereath, and it's very similar to our word betray, not in like being disloyal to somebody, but in the sense uh, that if something has given you away. Uh, the word uh, dictionary said about bereath, to show, to make visible, to give you away. In other words, we our words give us away. Our words are life, wind. Our words, the wind that comes out of our mouth. You know, you when you 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 are, wind is coming out of your mouth when you speak, and and it gives us away. And we are known uh, by what comes comes out of our mouths. Uh, by the way, by the way, uh, I. I uh, I said this to you, I think, last week. But uh, but I would encourage you to read through the book of Proverbs. Uh, find themes in the book of Proverbs. I, I just started again. I have this in another Bible, but I didn't pull it out. I just wanted to do it again. But I found uh, uh, just uh, in the, uh, this chapter uh, that we're studying tonight, uh, 12 out of 32 verses. So just about a little more than one out of three verses uh, refer to the tongue or the lips or the mouth in some way. Uh, the chapter uh, following this one, there's five references to the tongue. The one preceding it, there's nine out of 18. So every other verse in chapter 9 has directly referenced the mouth or what is spoken or the lips. And so there's six, uh, 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 one out of every six verses in chapter 8, so on and so forth. It's interesting to me. When God keeps going over and over and over again, revisiting a theme, it must be an important thing. Amen? And God, as we talked a little bit last Wednesday night, uh, uh, you get control of your tongue. You, get, you can get control of your whole life. Your whole body is controlled by the tongue. And so uh, we're known by what comes out of our mouths. Verse number 12 says, Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. Hatred stirreth up strife. I missed the S on that. That's plural. Hatred stirreth up strife. You know, at any given time, at any given time, there are fires Everywhere. There's fires. There might be a fire in your home right now. I don't mean a physical fire. You understand what I mean? Some of you got a fire at work going right now with some coworkers, maybe a boss, or uh, so some, uh, uh, some, of you, some of you young people. You got fires going with your little friend group, your little fires. And the Bible says hatred stirs that up. Hmm. Hatred stirs that up. Um, but my, my dad was in the hospital. We came home. Mom, I brought her home. She said, I want to stay at the house tonight. So I brought her to the house and she said, I want to get, I want to fire when we get home. And, um, so, uh, it was pretty late when we got home. And, uh, she said, we have to bring some wood in. I said, sure, of course. And so she went over there to the, she's going to shovel the, the, what was in the in the fireplace? I said, "Mom, let's see if there's some heat in there. Might be some heat in there." And so I got the poker, started raking through it, and you know what? Boom! Red red embers started showing up. And uh, you know, if you let something be, it'll die out. The Bible said, "Where no wood is, the fire goeth out." But you keep poking that thing; it's going to keep on going. And the Bible said, "That's the 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 root of that is is hatred." But love covereth all sins. Here's a phrase I thought this is very simple, but love is a covering. 
Love is a covering. Love is a covering. Love doesn't condone sin. And love doesn't encourage a sinner to hide his sin from the Lord or authority, if you will. But love covers sin. You know, that's why I was thinking about this. I was meditating on this. Love is like a first responder. When you call that 911, you're having a heart attack or somebody got shot or somebody's a car wreck and you call 911 and that paramedic or that fireman comes and leans over you, he does not say, sir, are you a law-abiding citizen? He doesn't say that, does he? He'll go to work. In fact, he'll go to work trying to... Sometimes first responders go to work trying to save the life of somebody who's trying to take their life. Think about that. Love's, love covers sin. Hatred makes broken situations much worse, stirs them up. Where love gives a broken person a fighting chance. Amen? Amen. It doesn't fix everything. But it, but but if you're if you're if you've sinned, then there's some brokenness there. Well, love will give a person a fighting chance. You know, a lot of people just if they when they make a mistake of some kind and they sin sin grievously or whatever degree, uh, and feel like man, man, I, I, nobody, nobody, I'm not, nobody wants anything to do with me anymore. I'm broken now. Now the devil wants you to think that, but God loves us with an everlasting love. Amen. I'd like to be a conduit at that love, wouldn't you? And I'd love for broken people. We're all broken to some degree tonight. Are we not? We're all broken by sin. And I'd like to be someone that could help a broken person survive. Amen? And if, if and get up and walk again. And get up, maybe run again one day even. And love covers sin. Hateful, they, hate, hatred. By the way, hatred comes from hateful people. Love comes from loving people. That's pretty <laughs> simple. But, but hateful people keep things stirred up. Loving people calm things down. Hateful people feed the fires. Loving people put out fires. Hateful people expose the sins of others. Loving people cover the sins of others. I'm going to talk about that more specifically. So it's not misconstrued. But the Bible plainly says, love covereth all sins. Hateful people listen to negative reports. Loving people turn away from negative reports. Loving, uh, hateful people seek out negative reports. Loving people avoid negative reports. Hateful people repeat and repost and retweet and whatever else, bad reports. Loving, loving people keep bad reports quiet. Hateful people keep up with bad reports. Loving people take them to the proper authorities. Hateful people seek to embarrass others. Loving people seek to protect the dignity of others. Listen, if somebody you love does wrong, do you want it blabbed all over America? No, you don't. No, you don't. And loving Love covering sin. God's not, is not, obviously he's not condoning sin. But sin itself is a, is a bomb and it has casualties and it causes damage. And the damage is, is well enough as it is. 
It doesn't need to be stirred up more. It doesn't need to be spread. It's going to do its damage. When the damage is done, loving people ought to come in and and hover over that situation and that person and not to criticize and not to poke and not to uh, say, everybody, come over here and look. But to get down there and say, hey, how can I help you? We need more of that. Here's the right way to cover sin. Let me give you these thoughts. Number one, do not listen to bad reports that are not your responsibility. How do you cover sin? What's the right way to cover sin? You might say, cover up to us sounds like condoning sin and keeping it from being held accountable. That's not what God's talking about. But here's what God is talking about. Don't listen to bad reports that are not your responsibility. Brother Kevin, whose children are you responsible for? Yours. Okay. In the context of parenting. Uh, Brother Nathan, whose kids are you responsible for? Well, you got your hands full, don't you? <laughs> All right. Brother Jeff, who you, who you got? Who's, whose kids are you responsible You're all, okay. We all got that? Come here. Do you know what Calvin's kids did? Yeah, pretty much everybody <laughs> does. <laughs> now, look. If you're, if you're a teacher and that's your area of responsibility, and this is the leader that is given to uh, execute judgment or justice in that situation, that's one thing. But if it's a parenting issue, it belongs to those two folks right there on that front row. And if you have something to say, you go to them and you say it. And you don't say it to anybody else. That's what love does. If what you're saying is true, then it's time to call the paramedics. It's time to call spiritual 911 and sweep in and hover over whatever brokenness is there and say, let's help. And if you want to help, by the way, thank you, be seated. You are as wicked as the devil if you think you're smarter than some kid's parents because you think you know something about a kid's situation and you think you're smarter than you're as dumb as a box of rocks and you're as wicked as the devil. If you really care about that kid you and you're concerned, if you're genuinely concerned, you go straight to the parents. Straight to them. But you talk about evil is somebody who will cast little innuendos about somebody, somebody, some kid's parents and even harbor a kid just because I guess you like to be liked or something, I don't know. Instead of if you instead and you just send little jabs toward that kid's parents about what's what's they're wrong and how they're doing things wrong, you don't care nothing about that kid. You're as wicked as a devil. If you love them and you care about them, you hover over them. You go to those who can help them, and then you keep your mouth shut. Amen. So number one, don't listen to bad reports. Look, somebody says, you know what happened in the classroom? You say, I'm sorry, I'm not the principal. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But you're responsible for your kids, right? You're responsible for the school. Uh, you're responsible for the youth department. In your area of responsibility in that classroom, but Danny, when you teach in that Sunday school classroom, that's your area of responsibility. 
in your area of responsibility, that report has to go to the teacher and then go from there to the Sunday school superintendent, superintendent uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, but but you don't you, you don't need to go to the if you, if you're a teacher in the junior department and there's a problem with brother Danny's kids you don't need to go to somebody in the teen department. Uh, anyway, so number two, if you hear it, listen to this: if you hear it unintentionally, don't believe it. If you hear it unintentionally, don't believe Number one, don't listen to it. Now, obviously, if you're the authority, if it has to do with the youth department, you're the man, it goes to you, obviously, you have to listen to it. But I'm talking about if it's not within you, if it's not your children, for example, if it's somebody else's kids, then, then, then don't listen to it. If you hear it unintentionally, don't believe it. Don't believe it. You wouldn't want somebody, somebody if, if it's true, you wouldn't want somebody spreading it around if it's your loved one. If someone tries to tell you, just stop them. That's number three. If someone tries to tell you, stop them. So if you, if uh, if it's if it's not your, don't don't listen. If so, if you hear it unintentionally, don't believe it. Here's what we say. say. Oh, that's awful. Basically, what you just did is you just gave verification of something. You have no idea if it's true. It's just total hearsay. But that's a, that's a that's an honest person that told me that. The honest people are not susceptible to being deceived. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> so, uh, so number one, uh, uh, number one, I don't listen. Number two, if you hear it unintentionally, don't believe it. Number three, if someone tries to tell you, stop them. Because I, I don't even know that. I don't. I don't. I don't need to know that. If they continue after you've said, I don't, uh-uh, that's all right. No, no thanks. I don't need to know that. If they continue, then obey Proverbs 25, 3, 23. Proverbs 25, 23 says, if someone comes to you and they are intent on backbiting, cloud up in rain. That's what the verse says. It says, as a north wind driveth away rain, so an angry countenance driveth away a backbiting tongue. So let's let's see. let's try it, Brother Hamilton. All right. So uh, let's just. Uh, he's pretty good at gossiping. Come on up. And uh, see, so he comes to me with some gossip, and uh, he wants to tell me something uh, something bad that happened uh, uh, in, uh, in 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 the classroom. Yeah, uh, Carson Maddox. That's, that's all right. I don't need to know that. <laughs> how, how good is it? Oh, really? Now, my, my flesh is going to be like your flesh. I'll just listen, but I, I just, but I won't do anything about it. You don't need it in your head. You don't need it in your mind. You can't do anything. You know what? Listen, we are the most stressed nation on the face of the earth. We have our heads filled with a bunch of stuff we can't do anything about. And when you can't do anything about it, that causes stress. You can't resolve it. So uh, if I say, no, that's, that's all right. I don't, I don't need to hear that. But this is hey, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> he said, well, that's my friend. Okay, we're getting, we're getting ready to find out if it's your friend or not. 
You might think it's your friend. Why lose a friend? You're not, you can't lose a friend. A friend loveth at all times. You cannot lose a friend. A friend loveth when? At all times. A brother's born for this. A brother's born for adversity, the Bible said. That's, that's, that's just what friends do. Okay? So, so I'm, afraid, I'm afraid I'll lose a friend. Then whatever you're trying to do to keep this person, you, you're not, it's not a friend. Maybe just somebody prop you up or something, but it's not a true friend. A true friend may, may, may miffed at you for that, but probably come back later and say, nah, I'm sorry. I was dumb. You're right, it was dumb. Don't do it again. All right, I don't want and he might be doing the same thing to you next week if it's a true friendship. Amen? So, thank you. Be seated. And uh, keep your mouth shut. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, number, number three, if someone tries to tell you stop them, I don't need to know that or whatever you're going to say. Number four, if they continue, obey Proverbs 25, 23. And, uh, and, and by the way, <laughs> I don't, Pastor, I, 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 this doesn't happen a lot, but probably it would take more than two sets of hands and fingers on more than two hands to, to remember the number of times someone has said this to me or something very similar. I don't know why people talk to me, Pastor. They just come to me and talk to me. I know why. Because you listen. <laughs> you cloud up and rain a time or two and folks will quit coming. Amen? I don't know. People just come to me with, Okay. How terrible it would be to be a part of destroying another person's reputation only to find out later the person was actually innocent. And I've, said, I've used this illustration time and again. Those of you who have been here, members here are probably expecting this illustration. But right down the street here, a number of years ago, principal of Christian school at Fayetteville Street was accused. And somebody brought me the article in the newspaper. I said, I don't, want, I don't want that. Oh, you need to know, Pastor. I don't need to know that. It's not my ministry. I didn't read the article, but I did know. I don't know how long it was, six months a year or whatever it was later. I did uh, learn from the pastor that, that, that the principal was falsely accused out of spite. After he had to resign his position, after he sold his home, after he relocated his family. Now, I don't, I don't, we don't need to be a part of that. Amen? We don't need to be a part of that. God's turn to Deuteronomy 19. Deuteronomy 19. I know it's take a little extra time, but this is this is important. I, about five years ago, I taught this in Sunday school, and it's a great review. Real quick, we'll try to do it fast. Deuteronomy 19. If you've never marked these verses, you need to mark them. These are God's laws concerning false accusations. God's laws concerning false accusations. Proverbs. Excuse me. Deuteronomy 19, verse number 15. These are, these are God's laws that regulate false accusations. Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin. And any sin that is sin. Stop right there. Let me give you a statement. No court of justice is to accept as true the word of one man against another, not in a court of law and not in the courtroom of my mind or yours. How many times has God destroyed men and ministries and homes and families because of accusations? No 
and, and, and we just swallow them. We just believe them. First thing you need to do is you don't need to hear them. You don't need to hear them. You, don't, you need to stay away from them. But if you do hear it, you'll say, that can't be true. That's not true. You say, what if I find out later that it was actually true? You haven't lost anything. <laughs> but what happens if you believe it and repeat it and then find out later, maybe not till you get to heaven, that it wasn't true? Then what? You have helped and aided and abetted the destruction of another person's reputation. God said, one witness shall not rise up against a man or any of Oh, but it's a terrible accusation. For any. Is that in the Bible? Yes or no? Yes, sir. Not in a court of justice, not in the courtroom of our mind should we should one man's word be taken against another man's word. Next phrase. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. Here's a statement there. Hearsay is non-admissible. That cut out about 50% of the uh, January 6th fiasco, so-called, whatever that thing was. Well, you know, I heard. (laughs) God said that's not admissible. A witness is not somebody who heard something. A witness is somebody who saw, who had firsthand knowledge, who actually witnessed something. Okay, so the Bible said at the mouth of two witnesses, a minimum of two, or at the mouth of three witnesses, shall the matter be established. Now look at me. It doesn't say the matter be decided. The matter is established. In other words, when there are two witnesses who come and say, this is a concern, I I saw this, and another person comes, this is a concern, now it's time to investigate the matter. Now it's time. Verse number 16. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men, the accused and the accuser, between whom the controversy is, shall stand before the Lord before the priests and the judges. Notice that little phrase, stand before the Lord. So to stand before the Lord, to stand before God's appointed um, authority is to stand before the Lord. That's consistent with Romans chapter 13 in the New Testament. All, uh, all authority is ordained of God, right? And by the way, there's only imperfect authority down here. There's only one authority. That's God's. We're all deputized. So there's only imperfect deputies of this authority. You understand that? But he said, when you stand before these priests and judges that I put in place to enforce the laws I've given you, you are standing before the Lord. That's powerful. Shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days. Verse 18, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition. Now we're investigating. You understand? We're taking depositions. We're asking questions. Where were you? What did you see? When did that happen? You're corroborating stories. You're doing the investigations. The judges shall make diligent, work hard at it. Inquisition. And behold, oh my, look here, behold, look, oh, look what we found. Behold, if the witness be a false witness, 
and hath testified falsely against his brother. Lo and behold, this accusation is not, it doesn't, it doesn't stand up. It doesn't, it doesn't withstand scrutiny. We have diligently uh, uh, inquired and investigated, and we found that his story doesn't add up. The accuser's story doesn't add up. If the witness be, verse 18, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, verse 19, then shall ye do unto him, the accuser, then the accuser, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. That would be punishment of the accused goes to the accuser. So whatever you accuse a person of, and you come come find out your story doesn't add up and you weren't being straightforward, you were trying to get somebody in trouble by a false accusation, whatever that punishment would have been had he been found guilty. If you accuse a guy of murder, you got death sentence. If you falsely accuse someone of murder... There's a death sentence. You falsely accuse somebody, whatever it is, and and your story doesn't add up, and it doesn't hold water, and you're found out to be a liar, then the punishment that he would have gotten, the accused would have gotten, now comes upon the head of the accuser. Now, that's a pretty strong deterrent for perjury, would you not say? And verse number 20 says, And those which remain shall hear and fear... And those left standing <laughs> shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. Such laws against perjury were made to be in a deterrent. The Bible is clearly teaching us. Verse 21 and 9, I shall not pity. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about this accuser who comes, tries to destroy somebody else's life. Two witnesses come forward. An investigation is done, come to find out the accusations were false. So those who falsely accused are sentenced to what would have been the sentence of the accused. And he closes this off in verse 21. And he says, Thine eyes shall not pity. Don't you feel sorry for those rascals who tried to destroy someone else's life? That's what God is saying. Don't presume yourself to be more merciful than God. But life shall go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So back to Proverbs now. <clears throat> back to Proverbs. And um, let me give you three thoughts on this, the right way to deal with sin. The right way to deal with sin. Number one, if you are a witness to a crime, you report it. You report it to the authorities. Number two, if it is a Christian brother, go to him and encourage him to do the right thing. If appropriate and helpful, go with him. All right. Let's say, uh, let's say your Christian brother is uh, is doing is, is uh, any criminal criminal issues. You you, you report him right away. You may go to somebody's committing a crime, and uh, it, it's not in 
and I'm not talking about like a violent crime, something that's happening right now, but maybe, maybe some other crime, and um, and you might go to them and say, look, man, I know what you're doing, and you, you can't keep doing this. You're going to besmirch God's name, and it's not right, and listen, you, you need to, you'd be a lot better off. You just go turn yourself in. I'll go with you. I'll go with you. You might be able to salvage that brother, face the music, get get it over with, and go on with his life and live for Christ. Um, uh, so number three, if he will not go, then let him know that you must go. If he will not go, then let him know you must go. So look, man, if you're not going, if you're not going to turn yourself in, I'm going to have to. Listen, if every kid in our school would do that when it comes to cheating, we wouldn't have any more cheating. Yeah. Some of you sit right there and you watch somebody cheat and you keep your mouth shut. You're just as guilty as the cheater. I don't say you ought to stand up in front of God and everybody say, he's cheating, he's cheating. That's destructive. That's not helpful. Love, remember this whole thought, love what? Cover sin? I'll tell you what you can do. Say, look, you can't be doing that. You wait till afterwards, wait in the hallway somewhere discreetly. You can't be doing that. I saw you cheating. And you need to go. You need to go tell the teacher. I ain't tell the teacher. You got to. We can't have this. Tell me what to do. Okay. I'm just giving you a chance. Do the right thing. But I'm going to do the right thing if you don't do the right thing. Okay. Now, have you got the courage to do that? Does, it, does the truth even matter to you? That's what love does. Let's keep on. Verse 13. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Now, here's a phrase. I was thinking about this, meditating on this. Here's the phrase that I put together. Don't force the Lord to beat the truth into you. <laughs> Don't force the Lord to beat the truth into you. In the lips of him that hath understanding is wisdom found, but a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. You know, the whole world basically came to Jerusalem to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And his own son didn't listen and split the kingdom. Rehoboam took the rod for Rehoboam, didn't it? Here again is the subject that we have mentioned before. Wise children take instruction well. Foolish children must learn the hard way. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. Parents, I know the rod is the hard way. Discipline is the hard way. It's not preferable, but it's necessary, and it is an act of love. Let me just read them to you again. He that spareth the rod... Hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Chapter 13, 24, all these in Proverbs. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thine soul spare for his crime. 19, 18. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Chapter 23, verse 13 and 14. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see uh, their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. 
Proverbs 29, verses 15, 16, and 17. Our moms and dads, listen to me carefully. I know, oh, you don't know. You, you can't do that today. You can, obey, you can obey the Bible in 2023. You can obey the Bible in 2023. And you need to be wise in how you do it, but you need a plan and uh, to discipline and to train. And uh, I know but it's not preferable, but it's necessary. How many of you need a good whooping once in a while when you was a kid? Raise your hand. How many of you didn't get as many as you should have gotten? All right. Okay. That's why you turned out the way you did, Billy. All right. Anyway. All right. Verse 14. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. I got This is the verse I got two thoughts on. I can't settle on which one. Uh, but um, um, wise men lay up knowledge. The first thought I had was this. Don't tell all you know. Don't tell all you know. They kind of go together a little bit. They kind of go together a little bit, but first of all, don't tell all you know. When you get when you get done talking, uh, if you tell everything you know when you get done talking, what are you going to do? Somebody ask you a question. <laughs> it's like uh, save, saving for a rainy day. Don't spend all your knowledge at one time. Keep a little back. But here's a second thought, and I like this one too. I can't settle on them, so pick your favorite. Put truths in the back of your mind. We, we, we say that. We talk like that. Put that in the back of your mind. Put truths in the back of your mind. Lay up knowledge. Now, this is interesting. The mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The first part is put, put truths in the back of your mind. Here's the thing. You can't, you can't listen and talk at the same time. That's why you shouldn't talk in church. Because you can't listen and talk at the same time. The fool who prattles on will miss some important knowledge that might have kept him from destruction later on. Um, how many of you got a medicine cabinet at the house? You got a medicine cabinet? Okay. Do you go like daily and just take one of each in the medicine cabinet? No. How many of you have some medicine in the cabinet and you've never used it yet? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you know what you know what Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, personal devotions, chapels, uh, you know what all these opportunities are? They're opportunities for you to get a little truth and tuck it up in your medicine cabinet and tuck it in the back of your mind and, and store it up. And you say, this sir, I don't, he's, he's preaching on motherhood. I don't need this today. So what are you going to do? You're going to look at your phone, talk to your neighbor all service. But you're not going to have kids one day? So I don't need that. You might, you might learn something that you can give to your loved ones. Or you might learn something you need next week desperately. Verse 15, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. Now, this pretty simple thought here, the rich man puts his, that's where he finds his security, right? That's where he, that's where he, uh, what he trusts in. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now, I think to understand the second half of the verse, I think the word there in verse in the second part of the verse 
is the subject is still the rich man, not the poor man. So the in other words, the rich man's the destruction of the poor is the rich man's poverty. Here's how I'll phrase it for you. If you became rich on the backs of others, you're poor. Does that make sense? If you became rich on the backs of others, if you stepped on other people to get to the top, you're not on top. (laughs) I don't care what your title is. You're not rich. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. Net worth is not the measure of wealth, not true wealth. And how you got your net worth and what you do with it is the better way to measure who is truly a rich man. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is there. Stand up for just a minute. You're the rich man. You're the poor man. All right? Stand up for just a minute. Okay? The rich man's wealth is his strong city. That's where his security is. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. If he got wealthy by destroying him, he may think that's brought him a strong city. He may think he's secure, but the truth is he's impoverished. Does that make sense? Thank you. Be seated. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Jesus talked and tested about true riches. You know, we've seen sports heroes do this, right? Um, I think about Lance Armstrong stripped of seven titles, Tour de France titles. Um, here's, here, here's simplified. Don't get anything at, at the expense of someone else. Don't get anything at the expense of someone else. Look, don't get a laugh at the expense of humiliating someone else. Because your laugh is not as valuable as you may think it is. You may think, well, that really made me popular. No, probably what you did is put a question mark in everybody else's mind. It's like, oh boy. And what you think is your wealth is actually your poverty. Oh, I want some friends on that one. <laughs> now, probably what you did is ostracize people even further. Because you got a laugh at someone else. Does that make sense to anybody? You got to laugh at someone else's expense. A friend, gaining a friend at the expense of another's reputation. Okay, come here. Did you see Mr. Cook's top? <laughs> so embarrassing. Now I got a friend, right? Because we both laughed at Mr. Cook. First of all, if whatever you won, it wasn't a friendship. <laughs> His tie is kind of anyway. But I had a tie like that once. That's before I got a job or anything. But anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> To gain a friend at the expense of another's reputation is not to gain a friend. To slander, badmouth someone else in order to get a friend, you don't have a friend when you get done with that. You may not even know what a friend is. Thank you. If you want to get ahead, don't step on those around you. Push the guy in front of you ahead. And if you do, he'll want to take you with him. You want to get you want a promotion? 
at work. I that where did you get me that position? You want to, you want the next opportunity comes about? You miss that one? All right, you want it, you want the next one? Make your boss look good. Push him up. Create a vacuum where you where you are, and he'll want to he'll want to take you along with him. One more. Verse 16. We didn't get to 20, but we'll get to 16. Here we go. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked is sin. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked is sin. Let me give you this statement. Even good efforts of wicked men lead to sin. Even good efforts of wicked men lead to sin. I think about the mafia, you know, giving food to the poor or, or uh, the Marxists giving, you know, taking care, taking care of people. I'm going to take care of you. Uh, and and some, oh, wow, you know, uh, uh, Vito, you know, he takes care of us or whatever, you know, with, you know, dirty money, you know. And that's, that's not helping you. Proverbs 21, 4 is an interesting verse. The plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, why in the world would God say plowing is sin? The plowing of the wicked is sin. I think it goes along with this verse. Everything we do, we're supposed to do it. Why? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Quote it with me if you know it. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we're supposed to do, we do. We're supposed to do it for what? For the glory of God. You know, a lost man cannot glorify God. He's estranged from God. He's in a state of rebellion against God. He can use God's name. He can talk spiritual jargon, but he cannot glorify God. And so even his plowing becomes sin. He does it for himself. He does not do it for the glory of God. Even the good efforts of wicked men lead to sin. Listen, somewhere along, and I'll stop with this. Young people, somewhere along the line, you're going to run into some good people. But they're wicked. Is well, they're doing a good thing. What you better do is you better find some godly people. I know you you work in the world. You're going to work. How many? <laughs> I better not. Well, I guess I can get what I'm saying this way. How many? Of you, how many of you work with sinners? You work with sinners. How many of you sitting on the row with sinners? <laughs> we, we all work with sinners. Boy, I work with some sinners. You're in the world. I understand. We're in the world. We're not of the world. But you listen. You become. You be careful. Listen. You be careful about becoming fascinated with wicked people who are good in different areas. You might find somebody. Okay. You might listen. You might find. You might like. Okay. I don't know anybody in this room, but I'll just use this example. You might find somebody who's really good at the martial arts. Love the martial arts. And and and. Uh, and boy, this, this guy can help me, and I can learn from him. But listen to me here, very carefully. You get close to somebody, you don't get to pick and choose how they influence you. You understand? You just like you can't, just like you can't hang around a, a pig and choose what portion of the bad smell. You're going to take away. You're going to take away more than you bargained for. You understand that? Right. I, I understand there's knowledge to be gained. I'm not saying that Christians are the only people that have knowledge. <laughs> people that have 
understanding and wisdom in certain areas. But I'm, I'm telling you, don't you get infatuated with lost people. You're going to interact with false people, lost people. You're going to do business with lost people. You are going to have customers that are lost people and so on and so forth. But, but you, your mentors, if you will, are the people that you gravitate toward, that you spend casual social time with, that you enjoy, that you hang out with, ought to be godly people. Ought to be godly people, and that means this. That means if you uh, say you're in a, uh, say you go to a, a state school or something like that, that means your circle of friends is probably going to be very, very small. But that's okay. Amen. You just be the salt like God's called you to be. That means at the workplace, you may not, you may, you may uh, have a pretty small circle of friends. That's okay. Amen. And uh, 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 so eat the fruit of the righteous. Amen. Well, let's stop there.